after a much needed bye week from the for the podcast and for UGA, the dogs start their toughest stretch of the season in hopes to get back to the SEC championship game. And who else but the Florida Gators are the first team that stand in our way. As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is Keegan, and welcome back to a very special episode, the Georgia-Florida edition of Dogs Off the Leash. I do it for the dogs. So it begins, dude. I was thinking about it in in retrospect and hindsight, preparing for this game this week. And you know, we lead by, by I feel like a clean eleven. If you go by the UGA metrics, if you go by the Florida metrics, it's a, I guess it's a, a ten lead. But the, the official UGA number is fifty five to forty four over Florida and two ties. I love that. <laughs> it's a nice but, number, ain't it? Hey, hey, it really is. But with that said, if you just look at the history and the preparation for this game, even on off years, this really feels more like a rivalry than our other rivalries. And they all have a little bit of that. They really do. They're not just, you know, labeled rivalry. It All of them are very real. Even Georgia Tech, when they're kind of garbage, like there is some some spark. But Florida... I really got to say, for whatever reason, it takes the cake. Now, I know me and you, North Georgia guys, were a little bit partial to that Tennessee rivalry. Mm. My dad, a dog fan, really lived through that Tennessee stretch, and that was about the time I was coming up in it. So I had this, like, indoctr- indoctrination of not liking the Vols. But in all reality, this Florida rivalry is the real deal. Like, there are sparks, there are fights, the heat is there, the intensity is there. And even though that Florida base has been quiet, I mean, for all the Dan Mullen years, they were all chirping. I mean, just chirping. And I think it humbled them. I couldn't think it help, really couldn't help themselves, man. They couldn't. They they really bought on the hype train, and they just, hey, they, they believed. But at the end of the day, they I feel like they've been humbled. But here in the last week, all of a sudden, we're getting a little bit of, upset like 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 suited for the halloween who's just you know like voices in the distance like you're hearing voices in the walls like i smell an upset so all that said this is the real deal holyfield very intense rivalry and we are freaking ready so tell me cheeto what's your insight looking into this game billy napier favorite moments let's just get it cooking it's gonna be a beautiful podcast yeah you you make a good point there, there's something about this rivalry in, in particular, and everyone has their favorites. But I think the, the biggest thing is a lot of Georgia's official rivals, and maybe less so, they kind of ebb and flow, right? Like you said, it was the 90s when Tennessee and Georgia were kind of going at it. Even Georgia Tech, that's, that's a legit rival. They kind of had their moments where they were beating us. South Carolina even considered us one of their rivals for a while. When Spurrier was there, and we're all familiar with Spurrier, not just from South Carolina, but from Florida as well. So some of the rivalries kind of ebb and flow, like who's who's better, who's doing the upsets every now and then. But Georgia, Florida, 
that one will never, ever move. It, and it doesn't matter how good you are. There's the added, quote unquote, pressure. Georgia's number one right now. I told you guys a long time ago that Billy Napier was going to get this ship right or better than a lot of people expected. And lo and behold, here we are. They've had some good wins. They've had some losses, some bad losses as well. But they're coming in with some momentum. They're off the bye week as well. So they are looking to take down UGA, not just from a rivalry standpoint, but they're trying to ruin our national title, our three-peat hopes, our East crown. They're trying to ruin all of that. And they're playing with house money. So uh, as we get into this, that's just something that you need to keep in mind. That's That fuels a lot of the fire that goes into this rivalry. I know there's some people who don't think this is as exciting as it has been. For, for us, you're going to hear the coach speak. It's another, it's another week, but this, they, they're the next team in our way. We're going to talk about this schedule in the upcoming weeks, but it starts with Florida in Jacksonville at Everbank Stadium, and I cannot wait to get this tough part of our season started. Yeah, and I think the funny thing is, is the media types all across the board, and I stay tuned in, and I guess we're performing and creating media, but we really are just fans overall. Like, I have media experience. I enjoy doing this, but I'm not coming at it really from that journalism angle. Even right, right, right. That, but we're coming at it from a pure bias, and we're very open. We do it for the dogs here on Dogs Off the Leash. But <laughs> that said, dude, the media is not as enticed by this matchup. You know, they're, they're, and it kind of sucks listening to the media, all credit to what they do, and they really do a lot. But we don't want to hear that. Florida fans don't want to hear the rivalries, you know, taking the skid or they're just expected to lose. We don't want to hear that. We just need to, hey, just let's just on go ahead and plan on, you know, let's start planning for next week. Just look ahead past Florida. You know, get this little trip to Jacksonville out the way, and then we'll just keep on moving. Like, well, it's a lose lose for Georgia. If we lose, we really lose. But if we oh, win, yeah. the field goal, the field post, the goalposts get moved, and it's like, oh, well, they're not that good. Even right. though I would consider Florida, honestly, truly, I would consider them probably like the 26th or the 27th ranked team if it right. went that far. And then, you know, we got Missouri, we got Ole Miss, we got at Tennessee coming up. So those people that were chirping about our schedule, they're going to move the goalposts like they always do because it fits that narrative that UJ is not as good as Michigan, which we I cannot wait to talk about at some point. Yeah. Ohio State, Washington, all these other teams. As if they've had some good wins, but I mean, overall, we're going to see what this team's really made of, and I cannot wait for that. Yeah, and I think Florida is a good team. I mean, obviously they are, but it, it we're just at that point in the season where you have to acknowledge where teams are at. And we know Florida's flaws, but they're they're one of the better teams in the SEC. We know that now. Like, they they out have outpaced South Carolina, and I guess they have the same record as Tennessee, but they've really looked better than Tennessee all season, which is not saying a whole lot, but Florida's exceeded expectations, and they have a quarterback that has really put it together, and on paper, in a lot of categories, is the number one quarterback in the SEC. So I just think it's funny that the media is like, oh, this is like mild, this is blase, blase, because really what they want to do is take a sexy headline and blow it up for the content, right? But the fans, we live for this shit. We live for it. We don't care if Florida's, uh, you, you said, what did you say, 26? We don't care if they're 126, right? We want to beat Florida. We All don't the time. Care. 
all the time. We don't care all the time. We do not give because the teams that lose, the team that loses, has to deal with that chatter, and especially with social media, you can't be on Twitter for a little bit. You can't be on ESPN. You can't call your cousin. You know, that gas station down the street, the one across from that. I'm telling you, it's wild out here. You got to be ducking, being being a little uh, incognito. But the thing is. The media people, they can they can move. If you're really in that media mindset, right, you just move on to the next one because this is just work for you, yeah. right? Even if you're partial to the dogs. And, like, I get it. But at the same time, like, we live for this. So do not get it mistaken. And that's and that's if Florida sucked. They do not, guys. Would you, 26. No, no they're, they're a quality team. They're, they're not the best. We're, we're not acting like a win over them is going to make us now all of a sudden championship contenders but again a lot of people are great in georgia of what georgia's done in the past two years and that's fine we kind of we have set that standard for ourselves as fans kirby has led the way in that charge and we have a standard that we're going to play up to and that's the goal that is the goal so as much as it's for narrative sake oh three peat sec it's one at a time this is going to be a grind we aren't super healthy and we want to talk about Brock Bowers here in a little bit and who is supposed to fill that void, but just to bring it back down just to Georgia, Florida and what's on the field. The last meeting, Georgia won 42 to 20. I believe if we win against Florida, that will be win number 25 in a row keys. Will it be 20, the 25th in the, in the win streak for overall Georgia's one twenty five. Right, right, right. I thought okay. you were saying it's Florida. I was like, man. No, I no, 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 no. I, I'm not I'm not that wild yet. <laughs> but 25 in a row. Now, we are on a two-game win streak against Florida, and we've won the last five out of six. And normally, this game would pretty much decide who's going to be the representative for the SEC East going to Atlanta, even though the rumblings are already starting that it's pro- it's looking like it's going to be Missouri. So, again, we talk about you know preseason, like who's going to be that number two, the way Georgia's been. And a lot of people thought Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, Florida has thrust their way into that position, but I don't think this is a typical year. I would give that to Missouri right now, but we'll see how it all plays out. Um, But, and on top of that, there's some added significance to this year because this is the last year of the East West format, right? So that is a big difference. And you got two teams that look very good this year in Texas and Oklahoma coming in. The SEC is going to change for as long as they keep this format for a while after this. So, even if it's like we get to tell our grandkids you know, right before they split or took the divisions away and went to SEC, we beat Florida. We went on a streak. Like, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, let's do it. And this is an opportunity for Georgia to, Georgia to show that the bye week wasn't wasted, that we are who we say we are, and that we come out here and just dominate Florida. So on that note, we talked a little bit about Billy Napier and kind of them being better than expected. But Keegan, I want to talk about, as we always do with the robbery game, some of the memories some of the plays, some of the players that when you think of Georgia, Florida, that stick out in your mind. And I know a lot of us fans have been here for a while, so we have some of the same ones. But if you will indulge us, Keegs, like give us some of your your biggest highlights, players and memories from this wild, wild rivalry. Well, I first think of the you talked about how we can't just, you know, turn the channel off and keep on moving because we're going to see people. Well, first of all, if I think of like the the moments of defeat with you know kids at school, and then the the moments of victory, like that that's almost as much of what I associate to this rivalry as anything. But that said, obviously, you know the big excessive touchdown celebration 
that that you just can't beat that because we were there for it. I mean, that is just that's like the forever. Goat. That's, that's forever, the goat. Bro. That's yeah. the goat. But the thing is, talking to my dad, as great as he loved that. I mean, he 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 loved it. He was there, and I'll just mention this. And this, it, it's a it's a nice greatest hit. Okay, but we got a nice a, a nice a, a refresher sometimes is needed. And he recalled the day that Georgia was playing Florida. They were trying to make a run. They had this freshman phenom named Herschel Walker. And they were down with just a few seconds left on the clock, 21 to 20 in the fourth quarter. And they were backed up on their own seven-yard line. And my dad and all his friends were huddled up in the living room, pulling their hair out. And, you know, then you didn't listen to the dang media. No, you listen to Larry Munson now. There you go. Come on now. With the radio blaring. Munson in the air, and he lived through the moment of Buck Ballou throwing a pass to Lindsey Scott at the 25-yard line. I mean, just the 25-yard line. You got 75 yards to go. Like, Florida guys are closing. There's no time on the clock. He makes a move. He's running. He's clear, and he's running for his life in the famous call, run, Lindsey, run. And – at that point in time, all my dad and his friends piled in to the floor in a dog pile, pounding on the ground in celebration. One of his girl buddies shot a pom-pom up into like one of those drop floor ceilings. Like she threw it up in the air in celebration. And it was like right when the smoke cleared and they finally realized that the victory was really had and tears were going on, laughter, high fives, hugs. They looked up in the ceiling and that pom-pom <laughs> she threw it so hard it's it stabbed through the ceiling Sunk. and for like literally i think it was like two or three years ago that pom-pom finally fell out of their basement ceiling they kept it up there as a memento memory forever of that moment so that was just something you know he's told me that story a thousand times but i was like well i That's can't tell the, the the gator stomp which is amazing 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 of play. course i love the I, offensive side of that and like a, a you know a great player and a great in a great game a memorable game that you know you're you're pappy you're pappy passed it down to you and you'll pass <laughs> it down to yours like that's that's great that's what we're here for that's what the that's what the rivalry is about and as you were talking about that i was thinking a little bit about my favorite one and i think it's mainly sticks out to me because of this this was when I was at UGA, right? So that kind of, you know, that kind of raises the stakes a little bit. It kind of sticks out a little bit more oh, vivid yeah. in my mind. But I will never forget in 2012, the Jarvis Jones game. Ooh. I mean, I mean, he literally took over that game. I mean, he he went crazy. 12 solo tackles, one assist tackle, three sacks, <laughs> two forced fumbles, and recovered both of them in a 17 to 9 upset win. I remember that last strip sack in the end zone. Wow. <clears throat> I, I will never forget it. Jarvis, you know, was a five-star. He had came from USC, was supposed to be a, a generational player. And in college, he definitely was. He's now on the coaching staff. So I know this game for him means a lot. And I, I really hope he gives that energy to the outside linebackers. But as somebody who played both running back and linebacker and really just wanting that edge rusher, like kind of the next David Pollock type thing, right? We hadn't had in a while. That Jarvis Jones game will put forever live in my mind it's just a dominant performance from a really not a great defense all the time we had a not a great run defense but off the edge dude was a menace i'll never forget it so one of my favorites obviously the gator stomp and there's many more um 
Mitchell, Aaron Murray that year. Todd Gurley's been a part of some big ones, even the Jake Fromm years when we were really ascending with Kirby when he started. But that Jarvis Jones is phenomenal, phenomenal. But that's a good mention. And he not only that, I'll just aside. Jarvis Jones did that in like a few games that year, mainly the out of memory, the Missouri game. He took over that I was at. So I, he, he he's he just had that capability. So shout out to a, a great a deep cut, dude, as they say in the rock and roll biz. There you go. And we've we've talked already about Florida being a good team, whether you want to admit it or not, just because Georgia's playing them now, don't start saying that they're not a good team. They've gotten drawn by a few teams, most notably at Utah and at Kentucky. But I still think they sit out right outside that 25. I really, really do. Credit to Billy Napier and staff. They had a close call at USC the week before their bye. Uh, the defense is much improved under their new defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong. I think the numbers, I did a little bit of research here, they are allowing 100 less yards per game this year than last year and one less touchdown. And if you're brought in on a coaching staff and you're making that type of improvement, that's great, especially year one. Now, they're going to get capped eventually because like you're not going to go another 100, another touchdown next year. That doesn't really happen overnight. But that is that is a lot of improvement. And for a team that was really struggling, that's that's good for them. We also are very familiar with some being that it's Georgia and Florida, we are border states. Most fans may remember Jalen Kimber, who was a part of this uh, backfield at UGA for a long time, transferred to Florida. So he will be a familiar face. And we have several Florida players on our team this year and through the years. And they recruit Georgia and we recruit the state. We all know this, right? But I think the most important player from the opposite state to team to opposite state is none other than Carson Beck. All eyes will be on this guy who is trending. He, in my opinion, he is three or four in SEC quarterback rankings by many metrics, whether you want to do completions, QB rating, yards, touchdowns are up there as well. And you can make that argument, but he is definitely up there. I'll take him over Graham Mertz and Graham's been pretty good, but he is from Jacksonville. He is a native. So this will be a bit of a homecoming for him. And I want to take this and just reiterate how well Bobo and company has been, how well Carson Beck and company has been, but we will be without Brock Bowers. A lot of people think that's going to be the downfall of UGA, but I will be the first to tell you that we have a loaded roster and plenty of weapons to fill in. So Keegan, I want to give you the floor here and kind of get your points on this, but I want to hear from you. Who do you think or what do you think is going to fill that void statistically where we can obviously Brock Bowers is going to be a hall of fame tied in in college, but how can we make up for some of the, the volume, the stats, the, the output that Brock has given us over the past two years? Well, first as great as Brock Bowers has been, he really has been amazing, phenomenal, obviously, but he is just a cherry on top to a highly complimentary football team. Truly. So the whole team still has to play well, okay? Brock or no Brock, like the strain keeps moving. That is what makes Brock even shine better because at the end of the day, as much as we were relying on him, he has shined, like think about how he shined as a freshman. No one was really keyed in on him. You know, even when they are keyed on, on him, the play action, all these other weapons really make it hard to, you can double them, but you can't triple them, right? Because there's other guys. So it ends up just being a numbers game, and the success of Brock is really tied to the success of Georgia as a whole. Just want to mention that. But I do think we got to start with the tight ends, right? Because Oscar Delp, you know, 
he's he's a different kind of player, but he could he could really make it a, not a deficiency, right? That's your first job as a backup. Don't suck, <laughs> right? Don't be the reason that the team doesn't move down the field. So Oscar Delp, I hope he's blocking well. I hope we get get him involved just in the pass game because we want to keep teams honest. And he's been in this position before. To be exactly. fair, he's not. This is not like oh oh what am I going to do? He did he filled in very very well in the Ohio State game when Darnell Washington went out. He's had a lot of opportunities this year. I remember Carson Beck missed him one time over the middle of the field. We talked about that one play. He could have a much better stat line than he has, if not for Brock. He's a receiving tight end. He can block. He's not a world beater at the blocking position, but he's put on a lot of weight. The kid's going to surprise a lot of people, and I think he's going to be utilized in this game. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think Oscar Delp has been – you know, very complimentary to block or Brock, excuse me. <laughs> he does block, but he's been mm -hmm. complimentary to Brock. And I, I think that this is just an opportunity for him to shine, to get some reps, just to show what it's been, you know, paying off for him playing second fiddle. So, uh, you know, generously, right. He's been a great teammate in that regard, but the other person that really should get mentioned in that tight end room is Lawson lucky. And I know he's been getting healthier. I'd like to see him on the field. You know, get some reps, make a difference potentially. Recovering from tightrope surgery that Brock Bowers just had. So, right. so is he is he going to be a factor in this game? Do we know if he's out? I mean, I, I've heard that he's like been moving, doing routes. And he's stuff. healthy. I, I, yeah, I think, I think if, if 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 game. that's part of the game plan, Lawson Lucky can definitely contribute. I don't know if that's going to be the game plan. Or my thought is like maybe we do a le little bit less twelve personnel. And we start to lean on our wide receivers as if we don't have weapons. Maybe we see more Dominic, maybe more Lad McConkey, Arian Smith, who hasn't really had a lot of burn this year because he's missed out on a lot of opportunities given to him. We've got um, ja uh, Jack Saint. And then, you know, we're going to see a Makai Muse tunnel screen every now and then. So like people who think that Brock Bowers, you made a great point. Brock Bowers is kind of the, the result of the offense doing all the things that it's supposed to be doing, right? He's the spearhead, right? But there's a lot of work going on in the back. And we have several players who can slide right in and be that. Are they going to make all the catches and plays that Brock has? No, that's a credit to his superhuman ability to be a freak on the football field. But don't <laughs> think that we don't have enough weapons on this roster that's been recruited well for the past however many years you want to go back, that we are going to fall off. We may not have the critical plays on that third down, that crazy catch, but I don't know how dependent we've been on Brock, but it looks that way because the numbers are crazy and that's the narrative, but watch it change. If we put 50 up on Florida, that's just how it goes. Hey, you can't stop him. And most people can't. And the one thing that I think I've seen week to week that I haven't talked enough about is someone every week in the opposing team secondary is getting injured, trying to tackle Brock Bowers. Like literally, like you are a man down playing against this you dude. better make business decision when That's he's coming at you i'm just telling you hey but you were speaking my language naming a bunch of names obviously too dominic lovett Ra Ra thomas like i want to see also backs get involved that means maybe more passes to kindle maybe cash jones comes into the fold for that i don't know roger robinson is getting healthier i don't know if he's ready to contribute but listen it's when this roster is healthy bro this is a nasty roster like like because we use Brock so much, outsiders think, oh, they just must that's, not have anyone that's else. That's all they can do. Yeah. That's, yeah. Th th so this is a great test for Georgia as a team to show how good of a team they really are without Brock. And that does start with Carson. I know you mentioned it earlier, 
But talking about home field advantage, I just did a little bit of thinking or, you know, or playing for your home team, rather. So they could really go one or two ways. A lot of players have great, great games, like just epic, historic games. And then sometimes players, you know, it's just it's just a lot and it's a lot of distractions. Think about this last weekend. I don't know the quarterback's name, but the dude backing up Justin Fields, if you guys kind of caught up with this, supposedly, you know, the, the Bears ended up winning the game, right? But supposedly he had 50 family and friends in the stands. I said 50. Now that's a whole lot of people and that's great and that's awesome. But 50 people can be distracting. It kind of depends on your mentality going into the game. It kind of depends on how you can compartmentalize all the circusry, you know, about playing in Jacksonville. I mean, this dude's probably going to have half his, half his high school in attendance or something, potentially. I'm just saying. It's been a while, and, you know, this is as good as the Jags are getting. This is still the best game in Jacksonville all year. I hate to say it. So, Absolutely. So here we are. I got to ask you, Cheeto, like, how did you feel about the psychology of that? Knowing that you're you're playing a game coming up, you got a little bit more friends in the stands, a couple of cute girls or family or whatever is coming to watch you. Did you did that hype you up or did that, you know, did you feel the pressure of that? What was kind of your stance? Because literally even the best players, that can affect them differently. So what how did you feel about that? Because I, I think this will be interesting to see. And if he plays an amazing world class game, we'll be saying, oh, man, he was doing it for the fans and for the friends. So how did you feel about that? I think the the I mean the normal sports cliche is home field advantage. Home cooked meal, you got your girl in the stands, you're comfortable with the setting. You you've been successful at home ideally, the way Carson has, you won a state championship in Jacksonville in high school. I think there's a comfort level there and I think for Carson it's really not even all on him. He's just a point guard distributing to all of these weapons that he got. I think he's because he's mature now he's been in the program he's waited i think he's he's ready to take an opportunity in front of him to show out i really do i think he lets loose some people may be detrimental but that's not the vibe that i'm getting from this program and i think it starts with what coaches have been saying since brock went down we don't need anybody else to be a superman we we as a as a unit as you know playing offense and defense and very um what's the word you love to use that we the way complimentary complimentary football I, it doesn't have to be on on Carson so I think for him it's let's just go play ball I, I know this area it's not nothing new we're familiar with it and I think familiarity really breeds confidence in this type of situation and I expect Carson to sling it I really really do and the run game is going to help him and the defense is going to help him so like honestly best case scenario best case scenario I think if he is mature as we seem to be giving him credit for and that was kind of the whole thing coming in that was what the whole locker room was saying is that Carson is kind of built for this moment and he has shown that leadership progressively in this role so Carson I I I just wanted to think about it you know I think it's just food for thought because sometimes it goes the other way and it's too much pressure and if you don't compartmentalize it well and don't necessarily have the maturity to deal with it how you're talking about it, I can see it definitely being overwhelming because some people, you know, it's like everyone's hitting you up that week. People are asking you for tickets the night before the game and stuff. Like 
it's just it could just be a lot and people really have no sense and it's weird because you as a player you probably want to ride that fine line of like hey i'm back guys you know it'd be good to see you after the game this that and the third but you got to keep it focused on mm. that so i'm really excited for carson and that opportunity but we i just wanted to touch on that and some no I, I agree the middle the middle aspect of the game is a very very real thing especially in a society that's very conscious now of mental health and all these things you can't discredit it and but, and just on a local level and individual level carson has made uh, some he's he's struggled with that a little bit and i think that he's kind of got his sea legs under him now so I expect him to actually thrive in this environment, like you said, but it is a challenging thing to do. And it takes maturity and that mindset. to. And, that, and that's absolutely fair. And it's something you, again, you can't dismiss, but when I'm talking football, I build my foundation on the proof being in the pudding and the numbers. And if yes. you've been paying attention, Georgia has slowly, but surely crept into a top seven offense and a top seven defense over the course of the season. And we've said on this podcast, when UGA is top 10 offense and defense, a lot of teams, but when UGA approaches those numbers, you're talking championships. Whether it's SEC or going for the title, you're talking championships. So keep that in mind. So let's let's talk X's and O's just for a bit, Georgia, Florida. So from what I've seen looking over their past losses and wins, Florida is vulnerable with their run offense. They can't, they cannot run the ball. Can't run the ball. They're gonna put it on Graham Mertz and on defense, they can't stop the run. We saw Kentucky just obliterate them. Utah early on in the season, they they cannot, when it comes to the run game, scrim, line of scrimmage, they're vulnerable. And I already know Kirby's going to wear them out. It's going to be a lot of play action, going to a lot of opportunities for our backs to really shine. With that said, Graham Mertz has been playing very well, but the strength of Florida's team is that passing offense. But guess what the strength of the Georgia defense has been all year? That nasty secondary. <laughs> and we, we haven't put up the sack numbers, but the coverage has been outstanding. So count on Marvin Jones, count on Jalen Walker, count on Michael Williams pinning their ears back and getting to it. And it's crazy because anytime Georgia gets an opportunity to play up to their opponent, that's when we play the best. And that's why I'm really looking forward to this stretch of games. So again, at the end of the day, while Florida has improved, UGA is the team with the better talent, the better coaches, the better units. But understand this is a rivalry game and it can go any way. But the way this team has been coached and taught to play, you can throw that rivalry stuff out of the window. We are going to execute up to our standard. And that energy that comes from the rivalry will only serve us better. I expect Florida to play well for the first half. But then, again, just the advantages that we have across the board, I think, will start to show a lot sooner than later because they've been talk we've talked about their slow starts, talked about their slow starts. They're going to try to smash that in the mouth right from the jump. So a couple stats, Keegan, and then I'll let you get to it. Let me squeeze this in real quick. So on the season, we talked about Georgia being top seven. That points per game, top seven, comes at 40 points per game, while Florida is 64th with 29 points per game. On the defense, points allowed, number seven, Georgia, giving up 14 points per game. Look for that number for the next month. If we can keep teams at about 13, 14, 16, those are dubs. Those are dubs. Keep that number in your mind. Florida has been improved on the defense. They're number 34 in the nation with 20 points allowed per game. Passing, Georgia is fifth with 337. Florida, again, much improved, 32nd, so better than average with 276 per game. Yards allowed, UGA, sixth 
with 262. Florida, 17th, a very respectable number with 311 per game. Still plays in our favor, but that's great. And then turnover battle, Georgia wins there. We are even across the board. So as many that we get, as many as we give up, that's 67th. And then Florida is negative two. So look for a lot of their success. One, two turnovers. That's a high percentage Georgia win there. So they're 85th in the country. So just to give you just a good overview of what the teams are, this is the average that the teams are going to go back to regardless of a rivalry. So keep that in mind. Keep those numbers when you're watching this game and afterwards. And that makes me do two things, Cheetah. It makes me put more respect on our name and just kind of see Florida for what they've been so far, which Absolutely. is, you know, average at times, but with a couple of things they do pretty Improvement. Well. Yes, improvement. And I think the brand of football that Florida is kind of creating right now is a lot of what Georgia is trying to do, a lot of what Alabama did back in the day, and it's kind of more of even a throwback to more of old-school teams. So Billy Napier, even though he's a – you know, a younger up and coming coach. He's kind of an old school cat. If you look at it like that. So I think the key to this game is just what we talked about it. While coming into this, all we're going to hear about is Brock Bowers. Isn't there Brock Bowers. Isn't there. Okay. We know that, but this is a really good team. And what we expect to see is Georgia pull it together. Everyone play that complimentary football that Kirby has instilled upon these dogs. And, I'm I'm hoping for a big win, actually. So I think that'll lead us to that that uh beautiful prediction. I personally see Georgia scoring a nice, happy 45 last Ooh, I last that. last year. Last year, Florida got 20 on us. I just think the dogs are going to have an answer. I really, I really do. Sometimes, like we talked about the last episode, and it's such a good intelligent phrase styles make fights the strength of their team is passing the strength of our team is past defense and really speed up front yeah which kind of nullifies their their real upset threat is just to throw the ball all day i see that really getting just neutralized truthfully and then the rest of the things that we're good at slowly take over the game yeah so we got to catch them in those early downs because if they are going to do that well they're going to catch us slipping on first and second down so, hey, just play discipline and do what we, we've been doing best all year. So, yeah, I, I see us winning 45-28. That's my prediction. 45-28. Okay. I just read the numbers, and I, I like to – I'm just going to keep it law of averages here. I, I There's going to be some crazy stuff happening. Turnovers will definitely change this. But I'm going to keep it within those averages. I'm going to go 38 for Georgia, right under our 40-point average. And I th I've seen them in losses, Florida – they score about 12 to 14 in those losses. So I'm putting it right at 13, 38, 13 dogs on top, especially with this new ranking coming out on Halloween, which does not matter by the way, but it's, I think Georgia wins comfortably and shows that they can survive football games without Brock Bowers. I just yeah. got a feeling. I'll take my style points now. I'll take my style points. Hey, and I hope, I hope we do. Yeah. And I like both our scores. I mean, I'll, I'll take those all day, but we would be remiss if we did not mention that both, Mark Rick and wide receiver Terrence Edwards are going to be inducted into the Georgia and Florida Hall of Fame. So we're talking about best moments. We're talking about, you know, some of the some of those early hitters in our time watching this rivalry. So these two guys, DGDs for sure. Shout out Marky Mark. And gonna get gonna get honored. I, you know, that guy can bowl. That's what I heard. So anyway, but yeah, it's it's been a beautiful, <laughs> it's been a beautiful thing. 
So just want to shout out to those two. And that'll put a beautiful cherry on a win if our predictions are anywhere near correct, despite what Steve Spurrier and some delusional Florida fans will say on a blog. That's- and also, also, before we get into our picks, speaking of shout outs, I want to give a big, huge shout out to the uh, Philadelphia Phillies for blowing their lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks, who will be facing the Texas Rangers yes. in the World Series. Not probably what the MLB wants, but hey, whatever. Shout out to the Phillies. Uh, good try. And we'll we'll see you next year. Hopefully we get better over here in Atlanta. But P- Keegan, I got about three games that I'm really interested in this week. Hopefully you got a few more. What do you got for picks this week? Bro, for, for picks this week, I'm not going to lie. I did not really do my homework properly. So I'm going to let you lead, and I'm just going to hop in on that for the picks. All right, I got three that I'm interested in, and we'll start in the SEC East. We have got Tennessee trying to bounce back after getting destroyed in the second half at Alabama. What a lot of people thought was uh, going to be their year to or try to go back-to-back. It's hard to go back-to-back against Nick Saban, and I could have told you ahead of time, but you saw it on TV. They are at Kentucky. I think this is this is going to be a really good game. Both these teams are really battling to be number two, number three in the East. It is at Kentucky. Kentucky's got a heavy run game, but that plays right into the strength of Tennessee, who has had a very impressive, very, very impressive run defense this year. But I don't like Tennessee, and we've already beat Kentucky, so give me the Wildcats at home. (laughs) I I think that would be a great game, honestly. I I do, too. I do, too. Yeah. What else you got? Other than that, in the ACC, we got Duke going to Louisville. I would pick Duke here almost 10 times out of 10. But they're without their quarterback, I believe. And uh, Louisville is on a nice little streak this year. Team much improved. Give me Louisville at home. And then last but least, we got Oregon. Keegan's one of Keegan's favorites for the final four at Utah. I think this will be a really good time to show if they're serious about being the final four, like you think they are, that they come away with a win. And I'm going to ride that train. Give me Oregon at Utah. Offense and defense, their point differential has been right up there with the best teams in the country. I'm going with them. And those are my picks for the week. I think that is a I think that is a great game to tune into. And like you said, that's gonna really tell a lot about, you know, what Oregon really can do because Utah is a damn good team, a damn good team. And just another game I'm looking at here as I'm looking at this list on ESPN, you know, UNC is at GT. So I just want to see GT do something, make that game mean something for us. You know, come on, Jackets. I'll root for you in that one. So give me give me the jackets. But no, nah, I, I I don't know. I like you. you got I like, jackets over Carolina. I want to see it. I want to see that it. I don't mean it's gonna happen. I know. I point, want a lot of things. I want a million dollars. It probably it probably won't, buddy. It probably won't. But yeah. it's there's been a lot of uh good things going on for Georgia. You know, they did just get a five-star recruit in basketball, so that's something to be, you know, hype about. And just in general, it's, uh, NBA just started. Cheeto, you got anything to add? As we yeah, can... I also want to give another shout out to Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines for putting their season in jeopardy for advanced scouting. I think it's just so funny. Like Jim Harbaugh wants to get back to the NFL so bad that he's willing to have his own <laughs> deflate gate to do so. <laughs> I, I don't know how this is going to affect the rankings coming out, but the NCAA just showed up at their doorstep in Ann Arbor. So expect some repercussions. I don't know what that looks like. I hope we get a chance to see them and beat them, whether they get playoff removal or not, but be better, Michigan. Y'all are supposed to be Michigan men. And then you're intentionally spending money, 3K on scouting, sending people to games. It's one thing to steal signs. It's not baseball, but like, oh, we know their signals. But to actively go to other games and do that, yeah, you got to do it on the field. But, I mean, how many of their wins are in question now? 
because they made a new play call, a run, pass, play action. It's wild. But that's all we got for today, Dog Nation. Ready for a great game in Jacksonville. Keegan, I appreciate you. Dog Nation, it's been a blast. And as always, you know what it is. Off the leash. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs.